Mighty book Bible going to use. I'm standing on 2 Corinthians chapter 8. You saw it. You know hard. Turn him long book Bible below you. Open book Bible below you. Open him long 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Turn in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. How's that? Amen. Thank you very much for the privilege of coming to, to preach. Pastor, thank you for giving me the honor of your pulpit. I can still remember the first time when we were on deputation. I was 22 when I started traveling and preaching. And pastors let me preach from their pulpit. 22. Okay, here's another Bible school memory here. I took Pauline Epistles with Pastor Shaver, and I told you about that book that he gave me, you know, 97% or whatever it was. What was it? Something like that, because no one's perfect, 99 or something like that. Well, we took Johannan writings with him as well, and one of the classes we had to uh, put together a sermon from the book of John, something like that. And I was out of time. It was obvious by my outline. And so he rebuked me on paper. This was a cute little sermonette. (laughs) Ah! Got me good and proper. Because it probably happened within five minutes of class that I did that. You know, that type of thing. He, he gave it to me properly. I needed that. I deserved that. Sermonette. You get it. And um, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. You know, life is full of problems. Have we figured that out already? Life is full of problems. And therefore, we must learn to be problem solvers because life is full of problems. Our pastor I mentioned this morning that had resigned, uh, I think I mentioned that this morning, well, he died in, in uh, October, September, August, September. It may have been October. It was October of 2016. He'd gone away from the Lord and, I mean, really bad. He got on fire for God really hot, and, and when he got away, he got away really bad. But thankfully, at the end there, he did get right with God, was serving the Lord again, mm-hmm. and we drilled a, a well together in the Capitol. He came and worked with me for a few days, and then he died. Anyways, he used to make this statement, problems are here to stay. I mean, that's just a common statement you'll hear around, problems are here to stay. So therefore, we need to find solutions to problems. Amen. And I believe 2 Corinthians chapter 8 deals with a problem, and it gives a solution to the problem. Uh, Let's read the text, and then see how we go from there. The Bible says, and herein I give my advice. These are some memory verses I gave our folks last year. In October is our missions month, and our theme that month was by inequality. This message came from trying to solve a problem that I sense for our people. So and herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now therefore, here's a solution, perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which is, underline the word, this is, this is the solution to the problem, have. Amen. That's the solution to the problem, out of that which ye have. For if there be first a willing mind, 
It is accepted according to that a man hath. There's that word again. You might underline that word. And not according to that he hath not. Verse 13. For I mean not. He wants to clarify something. I mean not that other men be eased and ye burdened. But by inequality. That's an unusual word in our Bible. Unusual word even in our churches. Equality. Right? That's a rage word right now around the world. Equal justice, equality, and all this stuff. By inequality. That now at this time, your abundance may be a supply for their want. That their abundance also may be a supply for your want. That there may be equality. As it is written, he that had gathered much had nothing over, and he that had gathered little had no lack. And that's a direct reference about when God supplied the manna. God provided that. Amen. And when God provided, there was no lack. There was not too much. There was not too little. God's always faithful. So here's part of the problem. Let's see if I can make this thing work here. Bang. It's not going to work here. Okay. Someone's going to have to help me click it in the back. All right? And you'll see on that how to go. Okay? You'll see the next slide there. So make it go forward here. Here's the problem. If you can get it to work. There it is. There are 195 countries in the world today. They say, during the time of Christ, there could have been about 153, according to Brother Bill Pierce. Okay, I got this from him. Uh, back in Bible school. Things that you remember, you know, that just kind of hold with you because it's quite fascinating. Where would you get that number? In John chapter 21, when Peter said, I go fishing. And the other guy said, I'll go with you. And uh, they fished all night and caught enough, no fishes. And Jesus came out on the seashore and he says, children, have you any meat? And they said, no got, nothing. And then he said, cast your net on the, what's the point of that? I mean, the fish are moving around. There's like no boundaries under there. Cast your net on the right side and ye shall find. Is it converse to the wrong side or the left side? You know, cast your net on the right side and ye shall find. Okay. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. And Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes. And he gives a number. And John is so famous about this. One of the things I got a great respect for the book of John is all the little details. I love details. Their stories are made up of these details. And he says, there were so many. He says, 153. And for all, there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Some believe Jesus was making reference. I mean, every fish was in there by God's design. Amen? It was not an accident. It was not by coincidence. Jesus is always making points. All the time. And if we're wise enough to catch them, you know. So I'm not saying with dogmatism that there were 153 nations in the world. But Jesus is making a point. There were 153 fishes in there and all the net was not broke. In other words, is enough. We can do this, guys. Amen. Next one. It is said that uh, China has 1.4 billion people. India has 1.3. The Amer- America is the third largest country in the world with 330 million. At least those are the ones we know about, right? The ones we don't know about, we don't know about them. But here somewhere. 330 million people in our nation. Total population in the world is 7.5 billion. At least it was when I wrote this. That's a lot of people. Amen. And yet Jesus has told us to go into all the world. He's commanded us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. He's given us this charge right here in Matthew 28. And I love verse number 18. He says, And Jesus said and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me. 
Amen. I love that. Go ye therefore. I don't know who it was that started it. I think it was Pastor Fisher, but it doesn't quite sound Fisher-esque, you know, but he said, whenever you see a therefore, you need to find out what the therefore is there for. When Jesus said, go ye therefore into all the world, go ye therefore and teach all nations. The therefore is there because he says, all power is given unto me, go ye. Amen. In other words, I've got the power. I'm deputizing you. You're going to go in my name. You go and get the job done. So we've got this huge job. This is the problem. There are seven and a half billion people in the world that we are commanded and, and, and challenged and, and said, go, you go reach all those people. You know, a common thing that we missionaries, we batter around and we hear and maybe say even that, uh, you know, God doesn't want one person lost. God wants everybody to hear the gospel. But has everybody heard the gospel in the world? So where's the fault? Is God at fault for not calling enough people to get the job done? Or are we at fault in not listening and obeying? Amen. That's the problem. The problem's always on our side. It's not on his side. You know, Paul has something to say about getting the gospel out because he was part of the first Baptist Christian church of Antioch. The church where they're called Christians first was in Antioch. And we see how Christian they were by them sending out missionaries. You go and get the gospel out. We're going to get active in this thing. It was said of that church in Acts 17.6, these that have turned the world upside down are come hither also to Thessalonica. Those people who were turning the world upside down, the world, I mean, every, the known world of that time, but they are, they are, there's a rumbling and a shaking going on. In Acts chapter 19, when they got to Ephesus, it says that they spake boldly and disputing and persuading things concerning the kingdom of God. When things got a little difficult, they, they moved this way and that way. They, they continued disputing daily. And the Bible says this of them. All they that dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus. Now, what a feat is that? Amen. That's an amazing feat that these just young church were able to do that. Amen. Paul gives his advice in our text. And here and I give my advice. You know, whenever someone wants to give you advice, you need to make sure, you know, they're worthy of giving advice. Amen. Never take advice from a two-year-old. All right. But they, Paul is giving advice. This is the greatest missionary we've ever known. That's right. He says, and here I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. And he gives a spirit of missions, of what, which I wanted to help our folks with. One of the problems, Pastor, that I sense with missions is in some places there's a great, there's a great pressure that's put upon God's people to give and to go. And I think there ought to be, there's a healthy pressure to give and to go because we can just get into a, a rut of, of um, commonplaceness, just, you know, we've heard that before, we've done that before, and all that stuff, that we, things don't really affect us as they should. So there should be some healthy pressure. But nonetheless, I, I, I find in many churches, pastors I go to, there is an unhealthy pressure where there's actually missions is, a, is not a good burden, but a bad burden. It's almost like the guy carrying this heavy weight. I got the whole weight of the world on me. I got to do this. And, you know, we're going to eat rice and beans so that we can give to missions. I do not believe God intended that. Amen. If you want to sacrifice and God's led you to do that, that's okay. As long as God has told you to do that. And don't blame God, but praise God Amen. for the beans and rice. Amen. Amen. But there is an unhealthy pressure that brings bitterness that I'm finding in some churches, Pastor. And then eventually they just throw it all off and say, forget it. And it just, it's bad news. And so we've got this awesome, enormous command. But how do we accomplish that? Paul says, I want to give some advice. He says, I mean not, I mean not that other men be eased and ye burdened. 
But he says, I want there to be an equality. I have a, I have a desire for missions, for there to be an equality in missions. That now at this time, your abundance may be supplied for their want, that their abundance also may be supplied for your want, that there may be equality. You know, I believe this. I believe you believe this as well, that, that all should give. We all have something to give. We may not all have the same amount to give. We all have different things to give. It's not always financial things that we give, but we all have something to give. Amen? Amen. We all have something to give. I've got bad looks to give. I mean, I can scare people. You know, everybody's got something. I mean, sister, you played the piano. I can't do that. If I did that, no one would be here. God bless you for giving that to the Lord. You get what I'm saying? We all have something to give, and we need to recognize that, that that's also giving. All should give. There are some that must go because God says, you are going to be my foot. You're going to be my feet. You may be my hands. You're going to go do this. And brethren, I believe this little, this little quote, where God, guide, where God guides, God provides. That's right. You know, Pastor, I know I didn't see myself doing the things I've been doing in New Guinea. And I doubt that you saw that happening as well. Amen. But God knew Amen. that I would be the right person for that spot. That's right, man. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I praise God for one of my friends, and you know, we went to the same school, same church, Brother William Miracles in China. He speaks Chinese, he writes Chinese. It is crazy. God did the right thing in not sending me to China because that's not gonna happen. You know, I I'm I'm okay with these guys, but this one's a little short. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm just being honest with you. I, I I'm not an intellectual. <clears throat> He's an intellectual. It's amazing to listen to him. He can philosophize and he can do all this stuff. It's awesome. He's got a great memory. God knows what he's doing. Amen. And so when he calls, it is our responsibility to answer that call. I mean, on the physical side of going, on the financial side of giving, when God calls you to give, then, hey, God's going to provide that. He knows your needs. He knows where you're at. Amen. He knows all these things. All should give. Some must go. And obviously we all can pray. When I was, before I was even saved, we used to go to a missionary Baptist church. I'd never seen a missionary before, okay, until I went to an independent Baptist church. But we went to a missionary Baptist church, and I learned this song there, uh, but I'm going to change the one word out, missionary, okay? I'm an independent Baptist. You got that song up here, brother? Come on now, wake up. Chop, chop. Let's see this song. Click, click. Let's see where we at here. We got that already. Next one. All right, how? We got that part. That's a problem-solving part. Okay, here. I'm an independent Baptist praying every day. I'm an independent Baptist. My money goes God's way. Bringing precious souls to Jesus. My heart's all aglow. I'm an independent Baptist. Pray and give and go. You know, I learned that as a child, and I brought that over to New Guinea, and now our Sunday school program, we sing that song. But we all have something to give, praying, giving, going. You know, Paul doesn't want anybody doing less than anybody else. He says there needs to be a a spirit of equality, a healthy pressure, a healthy burden. He says, I want you to consider these people over here. What have they been doing? Just consider that and make sure there's equality in what's going on here. If they're, you know, Brother Fisher has done this sermon uh, he did it in New Guinea. I've seen him online do it here in America at some point, where he has men pick him up and carry him and hold him while he's preaching this sermon. Okay, and uh, in New Guinea when he did it, there was a big pastor school that uh, missionary and I helped put on in the Highlands, and there were guys holding his feet, 
There are guys holding his, his thigh or his bum, and there are others holding his torso. Brother Daniel, that pastor who passed away I mentioned, Pastor, pastor Fisher had he and I holding him. This is the heaviest part of a man. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And we're all sweating and holding him up here. And these guys over here are taking it easy. This is not good. This is not equal. You know, we're all sweating. And these guys are ah, feet, no big deal. That's not the vision of the Apostle Paul. The vision of the Apostle Paul is we're all doing it together. There's that, what's it, synchronism? Is that the word? Synergy. Synergy. Synchronism is a different thing. Okay, synergy. Uh, you know, one plus one is two, but two plus two doesn't necessarily equal four. Mm-hmm. I know in math it does, but you know in strength-wise. Yeah. Philippians 1.27, here's a, here's a statement by the Apostle Paul. He says, stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. We've got to do this together. Right. You know, I taught our, our folks there uh, this principle, together, teamwork, together, everyone accomplishes more. If you do it by yourself, you, you're not going to be able to handle this. It's too big of a job. Together, everyone accomplishes more. Amen. Missionary, if you want to go to these villages all by yourself, you can do that, but it's not going to go very well. You need to take someone with you. Amen. Train someone else. Teach them how to do what you do. Everybody here that participated in ministry, you need to be teaching someone else how to do what you do because you may not be here tomorrow. <clears throat> we have to continue teaching. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says in line 7, So then neither is he that planteth anything. We quoted that this morning. Neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Amen. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. I mean, we have a job to do, but we do it together. For right. we are laborers together with God. Amen. Colossians chapter 3, he says, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. Well, I like that. Paul's advice is that there must be equality in the work. He does not want one group overburdening the other group. You know, down at Lighthouse Days, you know, there's that 80-20 principle. If you've read Maxwell, you know that 80-20 principle. Whereas 20% of the church is doing 80% of the work, right? We've got all these people that are shuffling chairs around on Sunday night, getting things ready, while other people are moseying out the door, even talking on the veranda, and, you know, just blowing the wind, while other people are sweating. Teenagers, you know, slave labor. You know, doing that's not how God got, man. What an exciting, exciting atmosphere it is when everybody... He's like bumblebees and just humming around, getting it all done. That's the spirit of the Word of God. That's the spirit of missions. We're doing it together. Amen. You know, when a missionary comes home, many times, Pastor, there is a rah, rah, rah for the missionary. But, boy, it's so exciting to be in the church where the pastor, you know, says rah, rah, rah to the team. Look at we are doing in Papua New Guinea. You understand? We are doing. Amen. It's got to be a team effort. You must look at it. Like that is your ministry in New Guinea. That's right. It's not Jason and Anna's ministry. It is our ministry. Amen. We're doing this together. Brother, if we're going to reach the world, we've got to do our part by inequality. Let's see the next slide there, brother. Number one something tonight. We see the example that's given by the Apostle Paul. In our text, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, in verse number 1, one by the way, an example is a person or a thing fit to be imitated. The example that's given. He says, Church of Corinth, I want you to take note of this. He says, Moreover, brethren, in line number one, we do you to wit of the grace of God. We want you to take notice of the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. He says, How that in a great trial 
of affliction. The abundance of their joy and their deep poverty. Notice all these things <coughs> abounded under the riches of their liberality. He says, for to their, for to their, for to their power I bear record. Yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. There's that word willing again. Willing of themselves. Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. They found it to be the will of God. Insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore as he abounded in everything, I mean, you guys are doing a great job in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence. And in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. He says, I speak not by commandment, verse 8, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. He says, Paul says, I want you to notice the example that's given of the Macedonian church, how they gave from their poverty. Click the button, brother. They gave from their poverty. He says, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the... There's words in here that should not be going together. I mean, there's, there's trial of affliction and joy in the same statement. I don't know the last time you had a toothache that you were happy about it. I, I definitely wasn't. You know, I'm like, I've got to find a solution to this problem. I don't know the last time that that I was liberal in the midst of poverty. Their deep poverty abounded under the riches of the liberality. I mean, Amen. just keep on giving. That's, all, that's unusual. And that's why he says, for to their power I bear record. He says, they've done what they could. Yeah, and beyond their power. They did more than they could. Here's the difference. They were willing of themselves. Willing of themselves. The Macedonians were giving sacrificially, he says, but how are the Corinthians doing? He says, I want you to notice the example that's given. The Macedonians, how they gave from their poverty. You can outline it throughout that that passage there, how they gave graciously in verse 1, joyfully in verse 2, liberally, uh, powerfully, willingly, selflessly, prayerfully, they gave. But he says, secondly, I want you to notice not only the example of the Macedonians, how they gave from their poverty, but this next one in verse number 9, how Jesus Christ, he gave from his riches. The next one, brother. He gave from his riches. Now, I want to tell you, this is, Pastor, my all-time favorite verse in the Bible. I love what it says. I love how it says it. I love what it, I mean, just love it all. Verse 9 says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know that? You have, you have experienced it. It's not just something you, I mean, a knowledge that you have. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You've experienced His wonderful power in your life. You've been purchased with a terrible, a great price. Amen. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became what? Poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Isn't that an amazing verse? Yes, amen. That man, that is powerful to me. Amen. You know, all of us are rich in something. And whenever we give, we are now less rich. Now, don't think I'm thinking just of money. But indeed, every time you give a $10 bill, now you don't have $10. Now, imagine me preaching to this to our people in Papua New Guinea, to our church in Darwin. Imagine this for a moment. Every time they, they give a 10 keener or a 20 keener or a 30 keener or 40 or 50, whatever that is, every time they give that, now they don't have it. They become poor. You follow what I'm saying here? But they come, become poor because of a lesson they learned from the Lord Jesus. You know this, that though he was rich, 
Riches is, is uh, what's the word when oh, it's relative? Mm-hmm. You know, it just depends on where you're at. Yes. You know, someone who lives in, on Manhattan on the top floor but no longer can live on the top floor, they're only on the 15th floor, okay. You know, they're still rich to us, right? right. <laughs> it's relative. He says that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. It's for your sake Amen. the gospel could go to you. And it's because he was rich, yet for your sake he gave something that he had to give. He, he's the only one that could give it. And he gave it. Amen. Pastor, I'm, I'm embarrassed. I'm a, I was ashamed that a few years ago, you know, Jason Brown, Pastor Jason Brown, he came over for a visit. He came to our, our missions month. And we had our pastors and preachers workshop where we brought in all of our men who have been trained in our Bible school, our pastor, men that are pastoring, and they were to bring a couple of their preacher boys. I told you about that this morning. And they came, and boy, we were having an amazing time. He was preaching in the night, and we were teaching in the day. And one, one time we were walking back up to the house, and he said, uh, Brother Jason, how many missionaries does Dara Baptist Church support? So what's the answer? Zero. And I could see on his face, what are we doing here? Why are we having a missions conference if you don't support any missionaries? Now, mind you, we had been supporting local missions, but not foreign missions. Do you follow what I'm saying? We were not going into all the world. And the reason for that was you're looking at him. My faith could not see our people doing that. There were, I mean, literally, there are there are problems with getting money out of the country. It costs more money to get money out of the country than our people could give to get it to be sent out of the country. You know, wire transfer costs money. And so if you're sending a lot of money, then that little bit that they charge you, 50 bucks, isn't a big deal because you're sending a lot. But if you're only sending 50 and you've got to pay 50 to send that 50, oh. That's one reason why we hadn't been doing it. But after that conference, I had not really knock on my door, but knock, knock. Some of our men were questioning me now. We have a leadership meeting every Monday uh, afternoon. The men that I'm training for ministry, and I, we'd sit together and we would plan and pray and prepare. And uh, they asked me the same question. I was like, did he tell you that? <laughs> and they said, why are we not supporting world missions? And I gave them the same excuses. And they, did, they, weren't, they didn't get sold on that excuse. They thought the command is more, more, more valuable than the difficulty here. We've got to do this. Jesus commanded us to do this. This is their simple faith. You understand what I'm saying? Amen. This is their uh, first generation Christian faith here. And I said, well, how many missionaries do you want to support? And they said, well, Jesus said to go into all the world. And they figured this out, brother, that there are six inhabited continents on, in the world. You know, take Antarctica out, right? And they said, well, if we need to go to all the world, that means we need to have at least one in each, on each continent. Okay. Can you name the continents? They all start with A except one. South America, North America, Australia, Africa, Asia. Oh, well, wait, back up. I've got two different hands. Okay. Let's back again. South America, North America, uh, what do we got? Australia, Asia. Africa. We got five now? Okay, like that. Five. And then Europe. There's your E. Europe. Six. I said, okay. So um, how much do you want to support? 
these six missionaries for. Now, mind you, our missions giving at that time was about 200 to 250 kina a month. Can I just use that term? And you just put it into dollars if you want. And uh, that's about what we were doing for our local missions. And if you want to support six missionaries now and divide that by, well, that's not very much. And they said, well, how much do most churches in America support you for? What's the general thing? I said, oh, about $100. And they said, well, we need to do that. Well, that, I said, that's 600 kina. This is in a leadership meeting. This is not in the church. This is where we're batting these things around and trying to figure this out. That's 600 bucks, he says. The man who's pastor now by the company, he says, I think our people can do that. You do. Okay. And so long story, longer story shorter, we brought it to our people. We don't, we, faith promise, uh, we haven't done that with the cards and all that because our people... They don't know how to keep promises. All right, so it's just, you know, don't make them sin type of thing. This is, this is what I do. I challenge our people. I encourage them to give the same thing every week. Ask God what God wants you to give, and you give that every, every week. You know, be consistent is what I want them to do. So we can budget it. And we brought it before our people, and they started giving. And uh, so we took on these six missionaries in these places for 50 kina. Uh, oh no, 100 kina a month, which is about $30 a month. Next year came around and they said, and, and by the way, they met it. Amen. They met it. That's 900 bucks a month. to uh, It was 600 a month, sorry, to support those missionaries. They met it. Next year they said, we need to increase that. So they increased it up to $150, $50 a month for these six. That's $900, or 900 kina commitment a month. Now mind you, you've seen some of the photos. Our people are not our people. Our people there are not like our people here. E- economics is difficult on our little island. Economics is difficult. Can you imagine? Just a little island. Government's the main employer. A couple of fishing companies. Difficult. Let me give you an example. Many of our women, they sell, uh, uh, what do you call them, popsicles in a cup. You know, they'll get like Kool-Aid. We call it cordial. And they'll buy that cordial, they'll buy their cups, and they'll find someone with a freezer, and they'll freeze those things and go down to town and sell it, 50 toya each. And that's how they live. That's what sustains them. They may make 20, 25 bucks a day doing that. And they'll buy their food with that for the day. And whatever else they need. And these dear people began to give from what little they had. Do you follow what I'm saying here? Because they said, Jesus said to go into all the world. And boy, what a, what a challenge. When I left, they were given about 1,200 kina a month to missions, foreign missions. From 200 and something, brother, to 1,200 and something. Just because of faith. They said, no, we need to do this. This is the command of the Lord. Amen. We need to do this. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Consider this. Jesus gave both his hands to the nails. Brother, click this one. Jesus gave both his hands to the nails. How can I keep back one of mine from serving him? I used to write that at the bottom of letters I would write. One time my mom, uh, before we went to New Guinea, we were just getting ready to leave, first time in year 2000. My brother was out in San Diego for some reason, my older brother, and he decided to take me on an older brother, younger brother walk. And he began to berate me. How could you leave mom? You call yourself a Christian. Can you imagine my brother saying that? Shame on you. And he began to swear. It's okay, we're done. By the time I got back to the house, my mom's in the house crying because she had been complaining 
You follow what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That we were leaving. The Sunday, brother, that I was going to be preaching at Lighthouse, my send-off message, Pastor Fisher gave me the privilege to preach. Sunday afternoon, I get a call from my grandmother, ridiculing me, self-righteous. There's places in America that need preachers, that need pastors, that need churches. Who do you think you are going, like, man, this is my saved family members yeah. digging me like this. Well. I came in, I said, Mom, you've been complaining. I'm sorry. You know, she's crying, all that stuff. <laughs> and so whenever I'd write my mom a letter, I would put this statement. Next, let's see the next one. I'd write this statement to her. I would write this statement down, but I would say, I'd sign it, your son for his son. You follow what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Your son for his son. And she has joyfully given now her son for these many years. And beyond her sons, her grandchildren. Amen. Can you, I mean, imagine, we talk about sacrifice, you know, in the beginning on when our deputation, ah, oh, it's no sacrifice, we're going to go. But when we got to the airport to leave the country, we had prayer. Unfortunately, we had Kirk pray, and he's a big slobber person. You know, he just started bawling right there in LAX airport, and everybody's bawling. And, and finally, it's time to go. And, and while I'm walking my family, and my mother-in-law comes and literally runs after and holds me. And she says, take care of my babies over there. I'm not sure if she was talking about her daughter or the grandkids, you know. <laughs> but she was, she was, it was a sacrifice there. That's right. But beyond that, now we're over there. My kids have no idea really who their grandparents are. Don't, they don't know who her aunties and uncles are. I'm not trying to pour mouth. I'm trying to bring this into, into context of, of, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. He, got, he lost something yes. that we could have something. Amen. Someone has to lose something so someone can have something. That's right. And it's not socialism, communism, where people take it. No, no. It's a free will offering. Amen. Willingly. Amen. That's who we are. Amen. That's what God honors every time. God will always honor the sacrificial offerings of his people. Whether it be a, an offering of praise or whether it be an offering in the plate or whether it be an offering of, I got a body ache, but I'm going to do this anyways. I've got issues, I'm still going to do this. He always honors sacrificial giving. In New Guinea, it's a constant thing where, where people are trying to guilt the government into giving them, their, giving them a tithe. The government should tithe to the churches. That's interesting. And the government does give money to churches. The only churches that don't accept it are the Baptists and the Mormons. We don't take it. We can't take it. That's right. Because God always blesses the sacrificial offerings of his people. God never will bless something you give that's, that's not from your heart. Sacrifice doesn't have to mean it hurts you. It just means you're giving something. Amen. You follow what I'm saying? It doesn't have to hurt you. It means you, you conscientiously are giving this as a sacrifice to God. Amen. Whether it be your time, whether it be your talent, your treasure, whatever it be. I love the song, brother. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. I can still hear Willie Fuller and, and Marcelo Arturo. Remember these two guys? We lived together, went to school together. And I could hear them singing. Well, I heard the Savior say, Willie Fuller, thy strength is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thy all in all. Jesus paid it all. Boy, what a high standard. All uh, to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed. Boy, how, how much greater can you get than that? Amen. Anything that we may give will pale in comparison to that. Amen. I love the song in our hymn book, Give of Your Best to the Master. We taught this song to our, our people in New Guinea, and they've learned it and love it. 
It goes like this. Give of your best to the master. Give of the strength of your youth. Throw your soul's fresh glowing harder into the battle for truth. Jesus has set the example. Dauntless was he young and brave. Give him your loyal devotion. Give him the best that you have. Give of your best to the master. That's Amen. what he deserves. Amen. Whatever your best is, you yes. give your best. For me, my best is in the morning. It's not in the evening. Not in the night. How many are morning people here? In the night, if you want me to do something sacrificially and all that, okay. Okay. <laughs> You know, we'd have all-night prayer meetings at Amherst, you know, up on top of the roof. It's a sacrifice. The whole concept of watch and pray, that watching is, you know, you're staying up all night. Fast and pray, fasting, watchings and fastings. God's wanting a sacrifice from us, the best from us. We see the example that's given. Secondly, tonight, we see the encouragement that's given. The encouragement that's given. Verse number 10, he says, And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. He encourages them, hey, this is going to help you. Hey, folks, when we participate in missions, it's only going to benefit, it's going to benefit the work of God, but it's going to benefit you as well. Amen. Here's a, here's a question, brother. I, I've wrestled with this since Bible school. I remember talking with the Pierce about this thing. We'd have these prayer meetings in the greenhouse in the back there. And I, I've, str- I've struggled over the years with the concept of prayer. Anybody ever witness to that? Yes. Uh, you know, that, that whole thing, the devil will get in there and say, why pray? He knows already. You know, he knows my needs, all that type of stuff. Do you pray for the lost to be saved? Yes. Why do we pray for the lost? Are we trying to convince God that they need to be saved? He knows it. He's fully aware and he's already given the price that needs to be paid for it. He's not willing that any should perish. So then why do we pray for the lost to be saved? Is it so that the lost will be saved? Here's, here's what's come to my conclusion, Pastor. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm right. We're, our prayers really are not going to do anything for that person. They're going to do something for us. We are now, our heart is getting joined with his heart. And now we're going to be more apt to be used of God. More apt to be willing to speak out for God. Now we have a compassionate heart, a broken heart. You know, when we pray for missions, what we're doing is we are enjoining ourselves with God. Amen. And so therefore, when God says, hey, I want you to give that. Okay, I'll give that. I want you to do this. Okay, I'll do that. I want you to go here. Okay, I'll go there. Why? Amen. Because your heart is already joined with God's heart. We're united with him. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm right. But that's helped me to make sure I'm right with God. You know, when I pray for the lost, it's not hard to suffer embarrassment, suffer ridicule when I give a gospel track out. It's not hard anymore because I'm, I'm joined with God's heart in this thing. You see the encouragement. Thirdly, we see the exhortation that's given. In line number 11 and 12, he says, Now therefore, that next one, the encouragement. Now, now therefore, he says, perform the doing of it. That's what I want you to do. God has ministered to your heart. God has spoken to you already. Okay, now do something about that. As there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye, you've underlined the word, have. For if there be first a willing mind, it's accepted. He, oh, I love this. According to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. How many enjoy debt? You love to be in debt. I mean, I just love debt. Anybody like that? My father-in-law gave crazy advice when I was younger. He says, you need to get some debt. What? He thought it would build my credit score. Huh? 
I'd rather stay out of debt. I cannot handle the pressure of debt. Amen. Amen. I don't Amen. like debt. Do you know, brethren, Paul said, I am debtor both to the Jew and to the Greek. But that debt that he had, it was not... Um, let me try to be careful with this statement. Uh, it was a debt that he felt, man, I've got to tell them. It wasn't an overbearing pressure of, you've been bad, you've got this debt. If you don't pay this debt, you're not going to go to heaven. You know, that type of debt. Right. Not that type of debt. It was a debt over gratitude and, and uh, man, I've got to do something. I've got to help these people. Amen. I know something. Hey, we do not well if we do not tell. I know something that they don't know. I have something they don't have. And they could have it if I would tell them about it. That's right. Exhortation is given. Here's my last point here. And this is the point of the message here. We see, we've seen the example. We've seen the encouragement, the exhortation. Fourthly, in my sermonette tonight, the explanation. <laughs> he should have just encouraged me with that sermonette. Make my sermon smaller. The explanation that's given. This, is, this has empowered me, and it has empowered our church in Daru. Amen. He says, For I mean not that other men be eased and ye burdened, but by inequality, that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. You look at the graphic behind here. We've got these four balls here. One, two, three, four. Four balls here. We've got one ball over here. Are they the same? They don't look the same, but they are the same. See the equality here? I mean, it's just a figure, right? Just a drawing. It's not scientific. <laughs> you get the idea. You know, some people can do that. Other people can't do that. They've got to do this. But we could all do something to match that. Let's say that's the Lord Jesus over there. And that's what he could do. Well, we can't do that. But we can do this. We can jump together. We can bounce together and do this. I mean not that other may be eased and ye burdened, but by inequality. Go ahead, the next one, brother. This is Brother Job. Can you turn that light off for just a moment? This is Brother Job. There we go. Back, back, back. Go backwards. One more. Hide those people. Okay, that's Brother Job. I met Brother Job under a mango tree in like 2007, something like that. Job was a grade 12 graduate, but he had no money to go on to further education. Smart guy, highly intelligent fellow. And uh, he actually had TB of the hip, and so he was disabled, if you would. Still suffers with it today. TB is cleared up, but the scars is still there, bone weak and all that stuff. But the Job, I got to lead Job to Christ under that mango tree. Amen. Job decided to come to Bible school. And when Job was in Bible school, Pastor, he would... You know, I'd be standing here with the chalkboard behind me and I get these desks set up there and he he just would not get his eyes off of whatever I was doing or saying and so he would write not looking at his paper but he would write like that. I mean, he was just intent on learning everything he could learn. Very soft-spoken fellow. When we went through homiletics class, you know, I'd give them that 5-minute sermonette opportunity. <laughs> you know. And he would hold his Bible like this while he would preach. And one time I asked him, and he's a soft-spoken fellow, when, he's, when you're talking to him, it's, for me it's hard to hear him, because he's soft-spoken and very deep voice, but soft. And I said, Job, 
why do you hold your Bible up like that? I mean, that's five minutes, but it, you get to preach a long one. That's going to get a little wearisome. And he says, because the Bible must have the preeminence. I said, okay, it's a big word. That's a good word. Amen. That's good. Brother Job, God burdened his heart for his village people in Yamega, Yamega Village. Very crusty people. Very stubborn people. Hard people. Most, most of those people that are there, they, they go for employment with the, uh, uh, the prison system. They work in the criminal CIDs, whatever they call them. They, that's what they do. I mean, rough people. And he says, i got to go back to my people. He began walking two hours every weekend and preaching, to his, and preaching in, on the you know, open forum, if you would. And then we got him a little, a little block of land. And then we built, we, they, built a, a little bush house for a church. And Brother Joe's been faithful at it, preaching the gospel over there. I mean, working hard. Now they, they have Sunday morning, Sunday night. He comes back to weeping for Wednesday because he's not one of the Bible school instructors. He teaches in Bible school on Amen. Monday night. Amen. He teaches in the, the RI class, religious instruction class, in the public school there in, in, in weeping every Tuesday. And then Pastor Russo normally has him do the Bible study on Wednesday night. An amazing Bible teacher. Amazing. Can you see a Bible teacher there? We invited him to come down several years ago to preach our, our Easter rally which means he's going to preach Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. And I told our people before he came, they didn't know him. I said, but the Job's soft-spoken. He, his, his body looks infirmed, and it is. He looks weak, but you look out. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, man, he preached on the blood, brother. Amen. I'm telling you, the altars were packed. Our people didn't know what hit them. This guy, has a, he walks with God. He's amazing. Amazing preacher. He is sacrificing his what could have been life for employment for the sake of the ministry. These next folks, this is Brother Dunstan and Sister Viola, some of the sweetest people you'll ever meet. If I could have a hundred of these things, I'm telling you, we would turn the world upside down. Amazing people. Brother Dunstan is a businessman. He runs a fuel business, sells 44-gallon drums of normally Zoom, which is petrol and oil mix for the outboard motors. That's what he does. His wife is an accountant at, at uh, one of the fishing companies on the island, been doing it now 20-something years. She just had her anniversary of working at 20 years, something like that. And so they make good money. They live very simply. They live in a, uh, I mean, they have a, they've got sawn timber for a floor, and I think studs as well, but their house posts are, are you know, just wood, tree, basically logs, you know. But nice house. They have a toilet in their house. That's pretty unique for our people. A shower in the house. Um, they're on town supplies, so not necessarily running water all the time. But humble, humble people, giving people, sacrificial people. I mean, they'll be there serving every time. Now, Brother Job doesn't have a job. And because Brother Job doesn't have a job, what does he not have? No money. How'd you figure that out? No job, no money. But the Dunstan and Sister Viola, they both have jobs. Because they have jobs, they have what? Money. money. Now, Brother Job doesn't have a job, which means he doesn't have any money. But what does Brother Job have? He's got time. He has an abundance of time because he has no what? No job. Sister Viola and Brother Dunstan, they have a job, which means they have an abundance of money, but they have no what? 
time. You get it now. He says, I mean, I mean not that other may be eased and ye burdened, but by inequality. Now, now, that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. We're on the same team. Amen. No one is telling, you have to give so he can have, because he doesn't have a job. You know, it's a common, a common statement in our place of, of covetous people, and there's lots of them, okay? Lots of them. Oh, I'm not working, so you need to help me. No, you're not working, so get off your duff and go get it, go get go do something. Joe, you know, that's our attitude, right? People have their hand out to me. Put your hand out like you're begging. And I'll say, nice to meet you. Sometimes I'll grab their oh, it's a good strong arm right here. I'm not the friend of these people. I hate that. Able bodied people begging like that. Amen. 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 Let's see the next one, brother. <coughs> Paul envisioned an equality in missions that centered on sacrifice. Centered on sacrifice. These dear people, they are missing something every time they put it in the offering basket. You get what I'm saying? And every time you put something in the offering, you just lost something. You just gave it away. You're now no longer going to benefit from that. What in the world are you thinking? That doesn't make any sense. 10% of your income, you're going you're to put in that basket? What's the point of that? And on top of that, you're going to give to other things? Man, what's wrong with you people? That's the world. That's what they say. That's right. But we don't see it that way. That's right. We don't see it that way. These folks don't see it. Now imagine this. But the Dunstan and Sister Viola, they're working. I mean, they work hard. You can on the light if you'd like, brother. Right. I'll have you off it again in a minute. They work hard. <coughs> I watch them. They walk. They, they live near our area, and I see them walk past early in the morning, and I see them come late in the afternoon, working hard. Can you imagine if they visited the missionary, the mission field, you know, on the mainland or, or wherever, and they all they saw was people, their missionaries just sitting around, drinking tea, telling stories, just enjoying, oh, this is wonderful. Would that encourage them to give? No. 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 I'm not supporting that bum. Right? <laughs> it wouldn't, it, they wouldn't do it. That would be hard to give to someone who wasn't producing, doing anything. On the flip side, can we flip it? How would Brother Job feel if he came to daughter to town? At the same time, he saw these people, they've got a job, and they have all the right to everything they have. They've got all the right. But they're living it up, taking it easy. Nice big house. You know, just nice, 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 nice. And yet they say they love Jesus and all that business. He would, they would struggle with the spirit of equality there. My sacrifice and their sacrifice, they're not matching here. I think I'll tone mine down a little bit because they don't care. They obviously don't care, so I'll just tone mine down. That's not going to happen, is it? It's not going to work out. I had a church in Fresno pastor interview me. They were still doing live stuff, live stream. And so we did this Q&A time and 
one of the questions they asked was, they said, you've been, seem to be quite inventive with things that you've done. You've been drilling, you've been milling, you've been radio and all this stuff. And uh, they said, what's in your background that makes you work like that? And if you remember, brother, I'm a welfare child. You know what I'm saying? I hate that. Some people, they don't mind. And I said, I think maybe that's what's in my background. I don't work for money. I work for God. But people send me money every month. Do you follow what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's serious. It's serious. To us, it's serious. We want to work till Jesus comes. Amen. There may be equality. One more time with the lights off. This was in our last, you see the statement here. This was our missions conference and our, and our pastors and preachers workshop. Here's Brother Job right here. This is a guy from Oregon came over to visit during that time. This is another missionary in the country came down to help me during that week of teaching and preaching. All these men here are preachers. Amen. Amen. Isn't that amazing? Amen. <clears throat> this guy's planting a church right now. This is Brother Aaron. Let's see. This brother right here is now pastoring the big church in Dara. He's a pastor. He's a pastor. He's training right now. He and his pastor, Brother Mark. Uh, Brother Mark, dear, dear friend of mine. He's training him for the ministry. One day, he's going to take his church. They right now are planting a church in Tapila. This guy was planting a church in Parama. This guy's working in, I'm sorry, in, in Padari. He is in Padari. This guy's in Sui. Brother Cumbin, who's now pastoring the church in Daro, he started the church in Sui. When he graduated from Bible school, he went and planted a church. Sui, New Testament Baptist Church. That's his convert. That's his disciple. He's now pastoring that church today. Um, this is Brother Totapi, holy man of God, planting a church in, in Boze right now. This is Brother Eddie, helping to plant a church in Parama right now and in Balimo, two different places. Uh, this is Brother Kaus. He's, in, he's a preacher from uh, Padare. This guy's in uh, uh, Ruah. This guy's in Ruah. This guy is in Condable. Uh, this guy is uh, becoming a Baptist right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, these type of guys. This one's from another place called Mabuwan, planting a church over there. These guys are serving. They're trying. They're sacrificing. You can on the light again, brother. They're sacrificing. Amen. Because these guys are sacrificing. Amen. We're doing it together. Evergreen Baptist Church. You may consider that you may be small, but you have a part to play. That's right. You know, there's a couple of ways to raise, our time is ticked off here. There's a couple of ways to raise missions giving. One, you can squeeze people. More. But does that feel good? Never feels good. It just creates a bad spirit. Right? So how can we increase missions giving without squeezing You know it. You got to have more people given, right? 
So you see the work we're doing over there. You can turn that off now, brother. You see the work we're doing over there. We're trying to work hard and get the job done. We come here and look at the job you're doing. You gotta do the same job we're doing. We gotta do the same job you're doing. We gotta work hard. We gotta get after it. Because we depend upon you. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Right. If if this church closes 23 years, praise the Lord. No guarantee that's gonna be 24. If this church closes, then what happens to your missionaries? Oh, that's only one off of them, and then another one, and another one. We've had three churches on this furlough that have ceased supporting for various reasons. That happens every time. Every time we come home, we lose some, or during the time. It happens. In Oregon, we've lost a couple in the last few years. Closing. We have got to do it together. Amen. Has this been too sad? sad? I feel like I've made you sad. I meant to inspire you. But by inequality. I mean not that other men be eased and ye burden. But by inequality, now at this time, your abundance may be supplied for their want, that their abundance also may be supplied for your want, that there may be equality. I'm doing a job that you can't do, and you're doing a job that I can't do. We do it together, and we get the job done. Father, love you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for that passage that's helped me and helped our church, and hopefully helped this one as well. Lord, bless us tonight as we consider missions. God, what would you have us to do? If there be first a willing mind, is it accepted? According to that a man hath, and not that he hath not. God, I'm glad that you never ask us for what we do not have. You only ask us to give what we do have. Lord, thank you for that. That's such a comfort to me. I have a debt, but my debt is a debt of gratitude. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let's bow our heads for just a minute. Just want to give everybody a chance to to take the personal finance class and put it to use. Amen? Because we learned how to be gracious and giving and uh, contribute. Father, to this, tonight we ask now that you'll help us to realize that the devil absolutely hates this. And he doesn't want us to joyfully give. He doesn't want us to help missionaries. It is a terrible spiritual battle. And Lord, tonight I pray we would do our part to win that battle and to be victorious. And we pray and thank you for the day we've had together. We pray and thank you, God, for Brother Russell. And we pray and ask you bless his children and his wonderful wife as they make ready to go back to the field and continue that very important work. But we pray that we would help them and we ask God that you would now use all of our blessings that we might seek you and look to you and ask you what you'd have us to do. And we pray now that you'll help and bless this offering and multiply it because we want a part in it, Lord. Thank you for the honor and the responsibility to join with our brother and join together hand in hand in a team. Because, Lord, there's so many people that don't know Jesus yet. We pray that you give us this, this wonderful power to meet the need in Papua New Guinea. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.